Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about the tactics of Satan to try and awake our suspicion about God's power, fairness, and love. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. The first thing we noticed is, is that, as we've said before, is that there's a very, very, very heavy warfare our conflict going on in paradise. This is paradise. This is the Garden of Eden here. It's very interesting to us. Finally, my brethren, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Well, you know what God has given us in these verses here? It's the video. This is the video of the opposing team right here. And he's saying to us, study it and understand what is the strategies of the enemy? What are his favorite plays? Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Genesis teaching series. So what he was saying is that uh, as he raised his shield, by faith, I believe this what Moses wrote. By faith, I believe that man shall not live by bread alone. All right? Verse 5 of Matthew 4. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Uh, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Well, this is really something. I mean, here Satan comes carrying his King James Bible and quoting it too. And so he says, um, he says, you want to use the Bible? I'll use the Bible. Now, so what happened? Again, what's the fiery dart? The fiery dart. The pinnacle of the temple. Wow, look at me, everyone. I'm on top. I'm on the top of the pinnacle of the temple. And watch this show. I'm going to jump off of this pinnacle and God's going to carry me down and what a following I'm going to have. And oh, everybody's going to be coming up and asking me to sign their Bible. And after that, I mean, this is really something, you know. That was a fiery dart. That was a fiery dart. Look how famous you can become like that. Look how you'll convince the crowds what a spectacular show this will be. But, again, what do we see him doing? We see him, again, he's got to quench that fiery dart. He's got to put it out. So we see him grab his shield of faith and raise it up there. And he says, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What was he saying when he did that? When he took that up, he wasn't just quoting a verse. He was saying, by faith, I believe that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And that, that was the end of that fiery dart. That went out just like that. It was quenched. And then fiery dart number three is in verse eight. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, just the best side, and saith it to them, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, here he says, says, the kingdoms, you know, he came to be a king. You know, where is he that's born king of the Jews? When he died, they put that over his cross, the king of the Jews. It was the king. Yet have I set my king 
upon my holy hill Zion. This sounds pretty good. I'm the king. I'm going to get all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and I can all have it all just right now, just right now. That's the fiery dart that came over to him, and that's what appeared. And so what does he do? He reaches down again, and we see him as he says, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, and he, he picks up that shield of faith, and he's, he quenches the fiery dart because he said, it's not just this verse, but by faith I believe thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. So you see how he does it? He takes the, when the fiery dart comes, which has a great danger, if it's not extinguished immediately, he takes the scripture and he not only uses scripture, but it becomes called the shield of faith. He says, I believe that scripture. You color me a believer of that scripture. I'm behind that scripture. Now, let's look back and we look now at Eve in her time in the garden there. Didn't do quite as well. All right, now, first of all, what tactics do we see as we watch this video of Eve and the devil? Well, tactic number one in uh, chapter three of Genesis and verse one there, where is tactic one is this one. Yea, hath God said. Now, there's a little bit of a tactic in there. What is it? Is this really true? Did God really say this? How do you know God really said this? See, this tactic is to bring about a doubt that God really did say this. You know, it's the same tactic today. You say, are you sure this book is the word of God? You sure this has really come from heaven? I mean, maybe, maybe the Bible is not really what God said. Did God really say this? See, that's the first tactic. The, the tactic is, we can say today, for Eva was similar, but the tactic today, the Bible is not really the word of God. The Bible is not really what God said. That's a, that's a fiery dart. That right there is a fiery dart, and that's the fiery dart of the Bible is not really the word of God. How do you quench that fire, fiery dart? You quench that by, you say, you say Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. And as you pick up the shield of faith, you say, I believe that. I believe that verse in Psalm 12, 6, that these words are pure words, and the Lord gave them. Now look, tactic number two in verse one. You said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Oh, you mean you shouldn't eat of every tree in the garden? Oh, what's that? That's a tactic of drawing confusion as to what God really said. You know, you really don't understand what the Bible says. You don't understand. I mean, how can you? How can you understand what the Bible says? I mean, uh, there are so many translations. Every year there's another translation that comes out, and the reason there's a newer translation is because they're not going to agree with another translation. So they don't agree with each other, and there are so many Bible scholars who've given their life to studying the book, and they can't agree on what passages means. You know, so you can't, you can't agree. They can't agree, and you can't know what it says. Okay? That's his tactic, right? And then it worked for Eve, didn't it? Neither shall you touch it. She was a little confused at what it said too, right? Now, the tactic too is, okay, the Bible came from God, but you can't know it. And it re- what it really means, you can't know. That's a fiery dart from hell. That's a fiery dart from Satan that's coming over. How do you quench that? 
How do you quench the, you can't know what the Bible means, dart. You quench with the shield of faith. Where in Romans 8 9, we, you say, uh, you pick up the shield of faith, you say, but Paul said, you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. I, am, I have received the Lord Jesus Christ, According to John 1, 12, therefore I have the Spirit of God. I have the Spirit of God because I am in Christ. I have the Spirit of Christ, not only as he's called in Romans, the Spirit of Christ. And then you say John 16, 13, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth, that's the Spirit of Christ, he's the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak for himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. So I pick up the shield of faith, and that fiery dart is dangerous, and i got to put it out right away. And I said, I am a child of God. I have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of Christ is guiding me into all truth. So that's, that's the end of that tactic. Tactic number three, uh, verse four. You shall not surely die, as stated as fact. You shall not surely die, absolutely contrary to what the Bible says. There's no such thing as heaven and hell. No, 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 no. When you're dead, you're dead. We all just die, we deteriorate, and we go back into the ground. That's the end of the story. All right? You shall not surely die. That's claiming there, that tactic three, that what the Bible is saying is just not true. It's just not true. How do you quench that? How do you quench that dart? You quench that dart with the shield of faith when you find the verse, John 17, 17, I've already quoted it, and you say, I stand behind this, I believe it. Thy word is truth. I, by faith, I believe thy word is truth. And that quenches that dart. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Shall, hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I stand behind that. I believe that, and then it's out, just like that. <laughs> Tactic four, verse five, God doth know. This is the God doth know tactic, or let's just put it this way. This tactic is to just wake up suspicion about God. This wakes up suspicion of God about God. This actually wakes up suspicion about God in three areas. First, I really wonder about God's love. I don't think God really loves you. I mean, he's holding back something very good from you, Eve. And there's some wonderful knowledge out there just waiting for you. God's holding it back. You ought to be, you ought to think twice before you say God loves you. And because you should be suspicious about God's love. I mean, with all that's happening to me in my life, I wonder if God really does love me. I'm suspicious of God's love for me. Eh? That's the first, uh, first dart that comes from this tactic. <clears throat> the second one is a suspicion about God's power. You know, Eve, God's afraid of you. You shall be as God's. You got a chance to be like God. You got a chance to get some power like he does. He's not as strong as you think he is. You should be suspicious of his power. He doesn't seem to have all this power after all. I mean, he could have stopped Hitler. He could have stopped Satan. I'm not sure God really is as powerful as, as the book says he is. See, that's suspicion about God's power. Or suspicion about God's fairness. 
from verse three when she said, neither shall you touch it. We talked about this. Well, what happens if I should just accidentally trip in the garden and I accidentally fall on the fruit? I die because I tripped? That's not fair. I'm really suspicious about God's fairness. You know, what about all those babies that died in the Holocaust, in Angola, and so forth? Was that really fair of God? And how about that mysterious African somewhere that we've heard about, and, and he's never heard the gospel before? He's going to hell? Is that fair about God? Is that really fair? Is that suspicion about God's fairness? Okay, first of all, the first tactics is to awaken suspicion about God, the three darts. First of all, how do we quench the first dart of the suspicion of God's love? Well, we do that when we take up the shield of faith and we say, by faith, I believe the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe the cross speaks of the amazing love of God. I believe that. See, Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth, or he shows his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What kind of, what kind of love is, can you get like that? As a matter of fact, John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. So by, we pick it up, the shield of faith, we pick up the shield of faith, and we quench that fiery dart by saying, we believe those verses. We stand behind those verses. We don't just know they're in the book, but we say, count me as a believer in them. How do we quench the second dart? Suspicion of God's power. When we by faith believe, Isaiah 45, I am the Lord, there is none else there is none beside me. Or I love Isaiah 44, 8, when he said, is there, God says, is there any God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Yeah, that's funny, you know. That's like God saying, hold it a second. Let me check my Rolodex and see if there's another God. <laughs> or I'll check around here. So maybe there's some other. Oh, okay, I got the report. I didn't find anybody. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, and so we say, I, we believe that. There's no other God. There is no other God. Now, Job 9, 7 through 10, he commandeth the sun, it riseth not. He sealeth the stars, which alone spreadeth, this is God, alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh, and then he talks about star formations, Arcturus, Orion, Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, which doeth great things past finding out, and wonders without number. How do we quench that dart about suspicion about the power of God? We say we believe those verses. We believe those verses. And so that finishes that. Now, the quench, the third dart of the suspicion of God's fairness. Well, this really gets back to God's goodness. We just studied in, 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 uh, in Genesis 1 where it was always, he did this, it was good. He did this, it was good. He did this, it was good. And when he was finished doing everything that he did, in verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And then we say, we believe that God is a good God who only does good. We believe that. Quench that fiery dart. Abraham said, that be in Genesis 18, 25, That'd be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked. That'd be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So we pick up that shield of faith and we say, you know what we believe? We believe that the judge of all the earth is going to do right. 
End of story. And as for the mysterious African over there, I've been to Africa about 14 times. I've been looking for that mysterious African. But anyway, for that mysterious African over there, we just say that's above our pay scale. God knows about all the mysterious Africans, and he deals with them eye to eye, one-on-one, knowing their lives that we have no idea about. But we know this, as far as the shield of faith goes, we believe that the judge of all the earth, when it's all said and done, is going to do right. That quenches that. Tom, today when you spoke about how the devil said to Eve, has God said? That he was really suggesting that no one can know what the word of God means. Now, that is really relevant today because I've heard a lot of people say that the Bible has been translated so many times and was written thousands of years ago and with such archaic communications that it's just impossible in the 21st century to know what the Bible really means. So what is the answer to that position? You know, you and me both have heard that so many times, and the Bible does have an answer for for that. What? Let's face it, we're reading a book that's thousands of years old, and how in the world can we possibly know what the Bible means? We can know what the Bible means because it is the Word of God, and God has no age, and God is alive today as he was when the Bible was written, and he is there with the Bible to reveal the Bible to us. This is what he meant, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he said in Luke 10, 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. You see what he's doing here? As he's saying, I have a word, the word of God. He said he has exalted his word above his name. He said this word is so wonderful because it's a word that will be revealed. Who does God reveal this word to? The ones he calls babes, the ones who have humbled themselves, the ones who have made themselves low. But The ones who have elevated themselves, the ones who think of themselves as so wise, smarter than the average bear, what he calls wide and prudent, God says, the Lord Jesus Christ says, my word will be hid from those people. But, as we said, for the babes, for those, he said, he will reveal his word. Why? Because this seems good to God the Father in his sight. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So here we see the precious Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, who is the Spirit of life, who is the Spirit of the living God. He, the Holy Spirit, is our great teacher. He's the one who reveals the Word of God to us. So it doesn't matter that the Bible has gone through 
let's say, several translations. It doesn't matter that the Bible was written years ago. It doesn't matter that we're not living in the time when those communications were what were used to communicate at that time. What matters is that we have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God with us today. And just as he revealed to those prophets who wrote it, he reveals to us, the readers today, because it's the Word of God and he chooses to reveal it to us. And Tom, you also spoke about how the devil tries to get us to doubt God's love for us. And what keeps us from doubting God's love? Yes, that is definitely a strategy of the devil. And we saw it there in the Garden of Eden as the devil was working on Eve and and really causing her to doubt. Has God really done this for your best interest, Eve? I don't think God loves you, Eve. You don't think that God loves you, do you, Eve? You see, all of that talk from the devil is designed to get Eve to doubt God's love. And the devil does the same thing with us today. Do you really think that that happened to you was love? I don't think that was love. If God really loved you, wouldn't he have kept that that cancer from coming to you? Wouldn't he have kept that car accident from happening? Wouldn't he have caused you to get that raise, get that job, get that money? I don't really think God loves you. Do you really think God loves you? You see, that's all the devil's talk to cause us to doubt God's love. So the question is, what keeps us from doubting God's love is very, very relevant. And there's a very simple uh, simple statement, which is easy to remember where it's found, because just like John 3.16 explains to us how much God loved us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse, John 3.16, speaks of God the Father giving the Lord Jesus Christ. Where did he give him? On the cross. So now we can very easily remember 1 John 3.16. See, the first one was John 3.16. Now, 1 John 3.16, which says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See, we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Where do we where are we kept from doubting God's love? At the foot of the cross. At the cross, at the cross is where we see God's unspeakable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, given for us as one who laid down his life for us, as one who took upon himself all of our sins and paid the price. At the cross, we perceive the love of God. That's where we are kept from doubting God's love. And Tom, some people have an attitude that says that to follow the Lord is is too restrictive and it's too straight-laced of a life or they want to be more independent and have their freedom to do what they want or even to enjoy sin once in a while. What does the Bible say about a Christian that not being free? Right. Well, here... The Lord Jesus Christ said, if you want to know what really bondage is, he told us in John 8, 34 with these words. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You can't touch sin without being 
caught in its web, without the stickiness of it all, without the bondage of it all, without having to return to it, without it, without it becoming an addiction. That's what sin is. Sin is entrapping. Sin is imprisonating. Sin takes freedom away. And so he says, if you commit sin, you become the servant of sin. You think that you're independent as you're doing, as you're sinning. You think that now you're free, but you're not. You're not. And sin is that way. But to come to the Lord Jesus Christ is to come to him as the door, as it says in John 10, 9 through 10, where he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And that word is safe and shall go in and out and find pastor. He says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and then they might have it more abundantly. But he said, when you enter Enter in by me, by the door. You enter in and you're safe. And you go in and you go out and you're safe and you find pasture. And what he's really describing here is a life of freedom. You're a lot, you have a life of freedom that you can go into the world where there's still sin all around and you're kept safe by the one who is the Savior. You can You can speak to sinners in the midst of all of their sin, and it doesn't touch your soul because you are safe, because the Savior keeps you safe. He's describing here a life of true freedom, a life of true Uh, 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 walking with God, and that's the life that counts in dependence on God, not independent from God, but on dependence on God, we find our true freedom. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to get a free copy and download of today's message, go to friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. If you'd like to order any Tom Cantor resources, materials, books, videos, just call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? We can help you to send them a Tom Cantor DVD, booklet, and testimony video. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.